This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for some time this morning. I know uh, many of you that know me are probably tuning in, waiting for the explosion after the 0-3 start by the Boston Red Sox over the weekend to the lowly Baltimore Orioles. And I'm sorry if you're an Oriole fan, but the Orioles stink. And the fact that the Red Sox lost three in a row, uh, a cause for concern. We will get to that in a minute. I promise I promise. I will, I will get my righteous indignation going in a minute. But I want to start the show this morning talking about the decision that Major League Baseball made over the weekend to pull the All-Star game from Atlanta in the wake of the voting rights uh, or the changes to the voting laws, I should say, I guess, in the state of Georgia. Now, on the face of it, you know, you look at this, this law, and there are some things that are concerning. There is no question about that. But the problem is, is that this law... And if you read the bill, and I did, believe it or not, um, a lot of the stuff that is being reported is being misreported, is being exaggerated. So my first reaction to MLB's decision here is I feel that it was a hasty one. I think that Rob Manfred caved to the Twitter mob. That's what I think. Um, Now, I'm not saying in the long run this shouldn't have been the decision that was made, but I think some more thought should have gone into it. I think some less emotion should have gone into this. When you get the Twitter mob going, and look, we all know Twitter is not a place where you're going to have a rational discussion. That happens there very seldom. But for instance, let me just, you know, here's a for instance in this bill. Everybody on Twitter losing their minds saying, because there's a thing in the bill about not being able to provide water to people in line. And they're like, Nobody should ever be denied water. Okay? Calm down. If you read the bill and the section about not providing food or drink to people in line is in the section about people that are involved in the campaign, about... uh, 
people that might be Republicans or Democrats or whatever being the ones to provide it because it is considered, and I know it's a stretch, okay, but it is still considered giving money or gifts, including food or drink. That's it's label. It's it's lumped in with that. You can't do it. However, there is nothing stopping anybody from bringing their own food or water. And it also, in the bill, it says that polling places are allowed to have self-service water from a receptacle that is unattended for anybody that's waiting in line. So if you're at a polling place and they have a big bin out there with bottles of water in it, you can do that. It just has to be unattended. Nobody is saying that people in line can't get water. And by the way, nobody is saying that they can't have, you know, somewhere near there, uh, you know, a food truck set up where people could go get their own and go buy their own water. You know, the people are making it sound like, uh, oh my God, you can't do this is just stopping somebody that might be a Democrat or a Republican either side from walking around and handing out water as if saying, Hey, I'm a Republican vote for me because I'm giving you a bottle of water. I know that sounds like a stretch, but it is still, you know, it's, it's still somebody who is a partisan person providing something for free to somebody in line. That has always been illegal. That's illegal in every state. You know, so there is not, they're not saying that people in line can't have water. That's one of the things that people were losing their minds on, on Twitter. Some of the things in this bill, you know, and they're saying, well, it restricts, it restricts uh, people. Uh, the, you can't, there, it's uh, restricting voting on Sundays, which is when a lot of traditional um, black people vote because they go after church on Sundays. Um, guess what, folks? Now, that may have been proposed. It's not in the bill. It actually ends up expanding early voting in a lot of, in a lot of counties. So it didn't stop people from voting on Sundays, early voting. I mean, so, again, read the damn bill. Now, are there things in there that aren't good? Yeah, there's some stuff about uh, uh, the number of uh, drop boxes for absentee ballots. You know, they're limiting, they're cutting the time in half, essentially, with, when absentee ballots can be set out. Now they're saying you actually have to request the absentee ballot. It can't just be sent to everybody, which is what was done in Georgia. And as a matter of fact, it was done in the state of Connecticut. Everybody got one. And it was up to you whether you wanted to use it or not. I didn't. I wanted to go vote in person. You know, but my wife used an absentee ballot. But, you know, so it's cutting that down. There are some things in there that aren't great. You know, they're, they can't use mobile voting facilities. There's things about, you know, if you go to the wrong a precinct, your vote might not be counted. You know, there's a lot of things in there that aren't great. But a lot of this stuff has been overblown. But again, they're caving. And they're running the risk here of alienating a lot of fans. Look, Major League Baseball is already leaking fans because of the way the game has developed into a, you know, it's a home run or a strikeout and nothing else happens in the game. They're already bleeding fans and now they're risking bleeding more. Remember what happened with the NFL? Now, I, lo I know the NFL is wildly, po wildly popular. Okay, I get it. 
But there are people that have stopped watching the NFL because of the whole flap over the national anthem and kneeling and, and how politicized uh, the NFL has gotten. There are people that, that have gone away from the NFL, and you might say, well, screw them. Well, you know, this is the risk that you run as an organization if you take a political stance. The, the Twitter mob is going after Coca-Cola because it's based in Atlanta. They're going after Delta. They're going after Home Depot, threatening these companies that if you don't speak out against this law, we're going to boycott you. Coca-Cola, Delta, and Home Depot have absolutely nothing to do with the voting laws in the city of Atlanta or the state of Georgia. And whether they speak out about it, what, what do they think that Home Depot is going to pick up and move their headquarters from Atlanta if the voting laws don't change? Folks, don't be ridiculous. You know, the people that want to say things like that have no concept of how the real world works. This is no different than a lynch mob, on, on an online lynch mob. You know, and you want to, and they want to, tw they twist everything to suit their purposes. So, so the the uh, not having special interest groups uh, being able to provide water turns into you're making it illegal to provide voters water. It never says that. We can't continue to run this country and set policy and make decisions, especially ones as big as this, because of the Twitter mob. It's asinine. And it's going to cost, and you know, here's the other part of this. It's going to cost the businesses in the Atlanta area, it's been estimated that it could cost them $100 million in revenue that they would have gotten from having the All-Star Game in Atlanta. Now, I think that might be a little overblown, but still, these are mom and pops, you know, in many cases that were looking forward to a boost in their revenue because of this all-star game and now you're taking that away from them but the twitter mob doesn't think about that oh screw the little guy this is a bigger issue and these little guys that run these restaurants and etc cetera, etc cetera, are all you know they're just trying to make a living they didn't make these laws why should they be punished but nobody thinks about that it's a this was a knee-jerk reaction you know, and, you know, the governor's going to fight. Well, what the hell is the governor going to fight? If Major League Baseball took, takes the All-Star game away, it's their right. It's their business. I get it. But, what you know, is this going to be the norm now? Anytime, you know, something doesn't it happens in a state that we don't like, we're going to say, well, you know, you should take your – you should not allow the, uh, the Atlanta Braves to play in Georgia because of this. Don't be stupid. You know, and, and we're going to say, well, if you if you play for the Atlanta Braves, you're evil. I mean, you know, this is some of the stuff that we're seeing. They're like, well, players shouldn't want to play for them. They should ask for trades. Anybody who's a who's a black player in Atlanta should be looking to get out of there. I, mean, I saw this on Twitter. So we can't continue to to let the mob run things. Now, I'm not saying that everything in this this voting legislation that was passed is great but a lot of it is overblown you know there are some things that that you know i don't think it's as bad as you know joe biden's calling this you know jim crow on steroids it's not that it's not 
this is not telling black, you know, they're saying, well, you're going to disenfranchise all these black voters. There are some things that, that, that are going to be some hurdles, a lot of it over the absentee ballots and the, the early voting. But for instance, like I pointed out, the thing about Sundays, when a lot of people go after church for early voting, they actually expanded that. You know, there, look, there is no legislation passed in this country for anything that is going to be 100% perfect. And I am not sitting here defending what Georgia did with this voting. So I don't want you thinking, oh, you know what? We need to get pitchforks and head, and head to Sports Country Radio and, and hang this guy. I'm not saying that it's all perfect. But I'm also saying that if you look at it with an objective eye, you will see that some a lot of the stuff that's being screamed about is not as bad as people think it is. You know, there are people that thought that, oh, my God, they're taking away the, the voting boxes or the drop boxes. They're not. They actually mandate that, that there, are, there are drop boxes in every county. It's just a matter of how many. Well, if there's only one, it's going to be a problem. Well, I get that, you know, and maybe there should be more than one. That's something that I think should be looked at, you know, especially in the inner cities where if there's only one in a town, and, you know, somebody doesn't have a car and it's two miles away from where they live. You're going to tell me they got to walk two miles to drop their ballot off. They shouldn't have to do that. You know, there should be some other provisions here. But stop the hysteria. And I think this may have been a mistake on Major League Baseball's part, especially, you know, with what just happened. We just lost Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron played for the Braves. This was an opportunity for Major League Baseball to honor Henry Aaron in the place where he broke Babe Ruth's record. And now it's we don't even know where the All-Star game is going to be. And I get that you may not be happy. And, you know, there could have been some other things Major League Baseball decided to do. They could have made some statements uh, or, or they could have done something other than just pull the game away. But now, you know, this was an, a special moment for the Aaron family. And I think it should have been in Atlanta. And, and, you know, again, just this is one man's opinion. But I think that Major League Baseball was a little hasty with this. Maybe, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the right thing to do. But I think if you separate out the Twitter hysteria from the facts... You will see that, you know, the people on the far right are not correct. The people on the far left are not correct. The truth about this voting legislation is somewhere in the middle. The problem is in this country, we don't do anything in the middle. There is no middle ground for anything. You're either with me or against me. We can't compromise on anything. And that's what this is. This is just another example of that. And, you know, and it's just a shame. But I think it might have been hasty. I think it's going to lose them some fans. Maybe they don't care. But if you're truly bleeding fans the way a lot of people think they are, then, you know, it's on your it's on your head, Rob Manfred. I just think that maybe, you know, I would have rather have seen Major League Baseball do some kind of advertising campaign or something like that to draw attention to what they believe the issues are rather than just eh, we're out of here. I think they're, they, they could have used the all-star game as a platform to 
make a social statement if they wanted to do that, but instead they just yanked it. So I think in some ways there was perhaps an opportunity lost here. So we will see what happens over time, but I just think that, uh, you know, I mean, what happens if it's supposed to be at uh, Fenway Park one year? And the, uh, the the Massachusetts legislature passes some bill that somebody doesn't like, and Twitter goes wild. Does that mean, you know, it's going to get yanked from Boston or from Milwaukee or Los Angeles or wherever? You know, I mean, is that, is, is that what we're going to have? Is that what we're, you know, is that what we're going to run the risk of? You know, would, would, the, uh, would the NFL have, let's say the Super Bowl was supposed to be in Atlanta this year. Would would they would would the NFL have pulled the Super Bowl from Atlanta? Hmm, I doubt it. Maybe, but man, uh, you know, and, and you know, and some would say, well, if they did, it'd be a bigger um, a bigger statement than what Major League Baseball did. And you could make that case simply because of the popularity of the NFL. But you know, again, very slippery slope, and I think. I think Rob Manfred made a mistake. Okay. Now, let's get to my three days of hell, otherwise known as the start of the Red Sox season. And, yes, there are 159 games left in the season. Yes, every team has losing streaks during the year. Yes, I understand that it is way more overblown at the start of the season. I get all that. You know, I mean, look, uh, Red Sox won uh, the World Series in 2018. They lost three in a row. They did in 2013 when they when they won a World Series. Hell, in 2004 when they won the World Series, they lost five in a row at one point. You know, uh, as, as as my buddy Matt Corey pointed out in his, uh, uh, his column this morning, you know what, if, if the losing streak gets to seven or eight, then panic, you know. So is it time to push the panic button? No. But are there things that we're already looking at that makes you concerned? Yes. What are they? Okay, number one, the defense has been ugly. All right, defense has been terrible. Uh, you know, Rafi Devers will make a – it makes a, a great stop on a ball on Saturday and then proceeds to, th- to throw it into right field. You know, uh, we saw outfielders not getting to balls. You know, we saw it errors at second base. Look, you know, the defense is an issue. It was an issue last year. It is going to be an issue this year. One guy, I'll tell you who, who has been a pleasant surprise. Bobby Dahlbeck has been a better first baseman than I expected. He probably saved three or four runs this weekend with some scoops that he made at first base. Now, on the other side of it, Bobby Dahlbeck has 10 at-bats, and he has struck out five times. <laughs> That's a problem. Franchi Cordero has five at-bats. He has struck out three times. You know, and we knew going into the season these were potential issues. But when you look at this, the weekend, Bogarts was 1 for 12. Verdugo was 0 for 11. Kike Hernandez was 1 for 10. Kike Hernandez was tearing the cover off the ball in, in spring training. 
shows you what spring training means. Dahlbeck was as well. Hunter Renfro, 0 for 7. He's struck out three times. Rafi Devers was 0 for 6. You know, <laughs> uh, so everybody, with the exception of J.D. Martinez, stunk. J.D. Martinez, over the weekend, 6 for 12, three doubles and a homer. J.D. Martinez appears to be back. Now, I'll give you this. One of, the, one of the hits he had, he had a double in the game, I think it was on Friday, that the outfielder just lost in the sun and it fell in for a, um, you know, a double that shouldn't have been. It should have been an out. But be that as it may, uh, he ripped a double yesterday and had his first home run. So he was 6 for 12. The rest of the Red Sox were 9 for 82 with one extra base hit. I repeat, 9 for 82. That is a 110 batting average, ladies and gentlemen. With one extra base hit. So uh, that's a problem. And this is the team, folks, that everybody said they're going to score a lot of runs. Now, they're going to score runs. Okay, I get all that. But good God almighty, this was the Baltimore Orioles. And if you heard my interview with Matt Corey, I said to him, I said, if the Red Sox, who have six of their first nine, with the Baltimore Orioles, go 3-3 three and three against the Orioles, Houston, we have a problem. Now, he didn't necessarily agree with me, but the best that the Red Sox can hope for right now is 3-3 three and three with the Orioles. Because and, and by the way, this losing streak that is 3 could get worse in a hurry. Why is that? Because they now have to play the Tampa Bay Rays the next three in a row. Ugh. You know, and, and look, this Rays team, you can say what you want, but this Rays team finds ways to win, and they won two out of three in their opening weekend. Uh, and, you know, the Red Sox are going to throw Nick Pavetta tonight, right? Another one of these guys they're hoping, like Garrett Richards yesterday, is going to be able to to contribute. Garrett Richards, ladies and gentlemen, yesterday went two innings, gave up seven hits and six runs. He also walked a couple of guys. Uh, Josh Taylor comes out of the bullpen, gets two outs, gives up five hits and four runs. The only bright spot from yesterday. The only bright spot. And it was a it, and it was absolutely a bright spot. Was Garrett Whitlock. The kid they got, the Rule 5 kid they got from the uh, the Yankees. Settled things down. Three and a third innings, three hits, no runs. Struck out five, didn't walk anybody. Looked fantastic. Uh, the kid, uh, the guy Sawamura they got from Japan pitched a couple of scoreless innings this weekend. He looked good yesterday. Matt Barnes had a scoreless inning. Adam Adovino, a little shaky. Two hits, two walks, a run in an inning. That's, you know, <laughs> we were hoping that uh, the problems that he had Last year were uh, outliers, you know, I don't know. But Garrett Richards, and Garrett Richards said, look, you know, it's a little early to push the panic button. You know, I got 30 more starts. And and he's right. You know, I mean, he's right. But I'm going to tell you this. There's your, there's your stinker. If he comes out in the next game and throws another bad one, you know, then Alex Cora and, and the folks got to start worrying that we are ha we are on the brink of the potential of having another pitching staff like we had last year. Now, I understand Erod will be back, and we hope he's going to be fine, and he looked good in spring training considering he hadn't pitched in a year. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Tanner Houck, who pitched the game two on Saturday, pitched well. 
pitched very well. Uh, got tagged with the loss, but he pitched well. Nate Evaldi pitched well on Friday. Uh, a couple of the hits that he gave up uh, were off the end of the bat. They were bleeders that just fell in. You know, the Orioles seem to do that a lot this weekend. They just seem to get balls that just fell in the right place. So it wasn't like the Orioles batted, you know, and battered the Red Sox pitching staff all over the ballpark. That's the, you know, that's the good side of this that that I got to hang on to. It wasn't like they were making incredible contact. You know, there were a lot of bloopers. Uh, there were a bunch of infield hits. It just seemed like, you know, everything that could go right for the Orioles did and everything that could go wrong for the Red Sox did. You know, but the Orioles still had 17 hits yesterday. They may not have all been, you know, a million miles an hour off the bat, but they still had 17 hits yesterday. So here we go now. Now we have Pavetta, right, against Tampa, taking on Michael Walker, And then we have... Martin Perez in the next game. Do I feel confident that either one of those are the guys that are going to be the stopper in this losing streak? No, sure don't. We could be going into Wednesday with a five-game losing streak and praying to almighty Jesus that Nate Valdi is the one that can break that. You know, And maybe if we're lucky, maybe we see Erod against Baltimore on Thursday. So, you know, we don't need to push the panic button yet, but I'll tell you what. Get swept by Tampa here. You're toast. This season, and again, you know, you're going to say, well, you're being overly dramatic. No, no. If you go if you go for six to start the season, you are done. Uh, Alex Spear had an article this weekend. Now, again, it's 0-3, right? You say, well, not a big deal. Since the wild card era started, only 15 of 83 teams that have started 0-3 have made the playoffs. That's 18%. So you could say, well, it's three-game losing streak, no big deal. All right? But the problem is, is that 0-3 start usually means something. You know, if you start 0-3, it means something. It means you're probably not very good. I mean, if you look in the standings in Major League Baseball, you know, just about everybody uh, won a game. Who didn't win games this weekend? Well, the Mets and the Nationals, because they didn't play because of the cold COVID thing. The Oakland Athletics went over, and the Red Sox, and Atlanta. Now, you can give Atlanta a pass because they played some great games with the Philadelphia Phillies, a very good team. Oakland got drilled by Houston, which the team many people think is going to win the ALS. The Red Sox got drilled by the Baltimore Orioles, for God's sake. And the Red Sox looked anemic. So 18%. And by the way, none of the 19 previous Red Sox teams that started 0-3, none of them have ever qualified for the postseason. So the Red Sox have never made the playoffs after starting the season 0-3. So I, I, you know, maybe not time to push the panic button, but history is not on the Red Sox side. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. 33 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning, the 5th day of April, 
2021. Great weekend if you are a college basketball fan. The men's and the women's games this weekend, with the exception of the Baylor-Houston game this weekend, uh, we saw a lot of entertaining basketball. Uh, that UCLA men's team, I'll tell you what, uh, coming in as an 11 seed, whew, I mean, they gave Gonzaga everything they could handle, and uh, that shot by Jalen Suggs for Gonzaga at the buzzer, banks it in from just inside half court, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, just crazy, right? And And so, you know, you thought it couldn't get any better than that, and, uh, you know, we see last night's women's basketball championship game. It looked several times in that game like Stanford was absolutely going to blow Arizona out of the building. I think they got the lead up to 11 a couple of times, and it just looked like they were going to kill them. And then that Arizona defense would clamp down and just smother uh, – uh, Stanford. Stanford turned the ball over a bunch last night, like 20 times, and still won the game. Now, Arizona had a chance to win it. They got the ball back with uh, six seconds left and had a chance to win the game. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> you got to get a better shot than that. The problem, everybody in the building knew that, that Ari McDonald was going to get the basketball with six seconds left and that they were going to force her, uh, they were going to, smother her well they did she got the basketball but she had two players all over her and she ends up having to throw up a desperation heave at the buzzer and by the way it still almost went in but at the same time I got to get a better out of bounds play than that I got to get an open shot if I'm Mary McDonald I look I know you've carried the load for that team and you know you single-handedly beat UConn but you got to get a better shot than that. You got if you're getting double teamed like that, somebody's open. You got to pass the basketball. I'm sorry, you know she's a great player. She wasn't great yesterday, but she was. She still had 26 points, but didn't shoot the ball very well. You know, but you got to get a better shot. You know that was the only disappointment at the end of that. But still, you know, oh, <laughs> hats off to Stanford. They were the they were the number one overall seed. And uh, Tara Vanderveer wins her third national championship as the head coach at Stanford. It's her first one, though, since 1992. It had been 29 years. And uh, so Haley Jones with a great game for Stanford last night. So, you know, you got to take, you take your hats off to them. And uh, um, Arizona did what a lot of people thought they couldn't do, which was beat UConn. Uh, and they, again, that Arizona defense, they just absolutely smothered UConn, you know, and a lot of people were killing Gino Auriemma for this and, ah, you know, in close games, he's not very good. You know what? Stop. You know, you got to stop that kind of crap. You know, uh, UConn, UConn loses a couple of games a year and people lose their minds when UConn loses a game. It's like they're not supposed to. The fact that UConn got as far as they did with all the freshmen and sophomores on this team. Nothing short of a miracle. And I'll tell you what, they're already overwhelming favorites to win it next year, any year after, any year after that. With the, you know, with all the kids they have coming back, and by the way, Avina Westbrook, who transferred from Tennessee, could be eligible for the WNBA draft this week, uh, is coming back for another year. You know, you know, I actually wonder whether Gino really wanted her to. He's going to have problems next year keeping everybody happy. 
with the great recruiting class he's got coming in and everybody he's got coming back, he was already having trouble getting people minutes. You know, you wonder how this is going to shake out. But, you know, uh, Williams is back, Beckers, Westbrook, Aaliyah Edwards, who's just got better and better as the season went on, Olivia Nelson Adota, Nika Mule, they're all back. Aubrey Griffin, who was a big part of this team last year, played six minutes in the game against Arizona. You know, you almost wonder whether she's one of those players that might think about transferring. Now, at the same time, if you're Aubrey Griffin, you're going to say, well, you know what, if I stay here, we're going to win a national championship. Maybe that's better than transferring somewhere and, you know, maybe playing more, but we won't win as much. You know, that's, that's, I think with the UConn program, if you're, if you're one of those players that was hoping for more playing time, that's the thing you have to balance here is whether it would be better to transfer and play more or whether it's better to be as part of a, of a juggernaut like the UConn Huskies. So uh, we'll see, but it wouldn't shock me. Aubrey Griffin's a very athletic player, but right now there's just no minutes for her, you know? Uh, and with Azzy Fudd coming in, that great freshman, uh, Sailor Poffenberger, who didn't play at all, she came in midseason because she graduated high school early and, and it wasn't going to count against her eligibility because of the pandemic. You know, she's going to be in the mix. You just wonder where the minutes are going to come from for Aubrey Griffin next year. It may, it may even be harder, you know? So we'll see, you know, whether 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 winning or playing is more important to some of these girls. And and look, at the end of the day, you know, if you think you have a chance to play in the WNBA, and I think Aubrey Griffin does because she's so athletic and, and uh, you know, she may think that she can improve her chances to play in the pros if she goes somewhere and plays more minutes. But, you know, again, we shall see how that uh, that shakes out. So tonight, the national championship game. Uh, Gonzaga and Baylor, these two teams were supposed to play during the regular season. The game got canceled because of the pandemic. So now they'll finally get a chance to play tonight. If I'm honest, you know, everybody thinks Gonzaga is going to win, and I pick Gonzaga to win. But I think Baylor, I don't know, Baylor's going to be a tough out tonight. The one thing I love about Gonzaga is the way they execute their offense and the way they pass the basketball. It is a thing of beauty. It's the way basketball is supposed to be. You don't see a lot of these, uh, you know, one-on-one clear outs and, you know, get out of my way. I'm going to take this, break this guy down off the dribble and, and go to the basket. They pass the ball. They get more, and they're not the biggest team in the country, but they get more points in the paint than any other team in college basketball, and that is because they are constantly moving and looking for the open man. They play the game the way it was meant to be played, and that is what I admire about this Gonzaga team. I hope they win tonight. I hope it's a good game, but I think this Baylor team is going to be a handful. But, man, I just, you know, I'm, I guess my hope for Gonzaga is, is that if they execute tonight the way they force the defense to move, that may take some of the uh, the starch out of the Baylor offense because they have to expend so much of their energy on defense guarding these uh, this great Gonzaga offense. So looking forward to that one tonight. Uh, going to be a, a, a clicker kind of night with uh, baseball going on and uh, I think the Bruins play tonight, and you know, so there's all kinds of stuff, and and uh, the national championship game. So uh, the thumb will be getting a workout tonight. All right, let's get back to baseball. Uh, I guess if if you're a Red Sox fan, <laughs> I guess one of the things you can take away from the weekend was at least the Blue Jays beat the Yankees two out of three. So there's something to be said for that, right? 
<laughs> you know, we, we have to take our victories where we can. Uh, Aaron Judge continues to struggle to start the season for the Yankees. Matter of fact, the Yankees, outside of a couple of home runs from uh, uh, Gary Sanchez, didn't exactly uh, hit the ball very well this weekend. Uh, Gio Urshela struggled. Uh, Clint Frazier hit a little bit. Um, the pitching wasn't bad. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Domingo Herman struggled a little bit yesterday, but this is a guy that, you know, first game back since September of 2019 because he got that 81-game ban uh, for domestic violence, which forced him to miss all of last year. So, you know, considering uh, where he was coming from, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you, you know, you got – what you got, and it's it's only going to get better. And look, they lifted him in the uh, the fourth inning, and they got a a great job uh, out of the bullpen. The Yankees did um, by Michael King, who pitched six scoreless innings out of the bullpen to keep the Yankees in the game, but they just couldn't get the bats going. Uh, you know, against the uh, inimitable T.J. Zoik. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Barucki. I mean, you know, you look at some of these guys they throw out there, you go, who are these people? Uh, but, you know, everybody knows who Vlad Guerrero Jr. is. He hit one out yesterday. Randall Gritchick with a home run yesterday. So uh, uh, we take our victories where we can if we're Red Sox fans and the Yankees are one and two. Uh, so that's a good thing. I mentioned this earlier, and uh, I think the Phillies are a dangerous team this year. I think a lot of people um, are not giving – the Phillies enough credit for what they could do. And look, that's, there's no question. The NL East, I believe is the best division in baseball this year. And I picked the Mets to win the division. They haven't even played yet. Um, matter of fact, and, and the nationals didn't either because of the COVID the nationals are going to get the chance to play, uh, tomorrow. They were supposed to play again today, but major league baseball has said, no, uh, we're going to allow you to play, uh, on Tuesday, the Mets have a chance. Uh, they're going to play today. Their first game uh, will be at Philadelphia. So they're going to take on that that Phillies team that got off to such a great start yesterday. Um, and look, the Phillies pitched their fannies off this weekend. You know, they, they got a great performance out of Zach Eflin yesterday. He went seven innings. He struck out eight guys, only gave up four hits and a run. Walked one guy. You know, I mean... Uh, look, this this Phillies pitching staff in the three games this weekend gave up three runs. Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin. They gave up three runs, 11 hits, and one walk in 20 and two-thirds innings, the starters. And they struck out 24 guys in 20 and two-thirds innings. Think about that. Against the Atlanta Braves, which, by the way, you know, the reigning National League MVP and Freddie Freeman is on that team. Now, you know, all these great players like Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies and Marcelo Zuna, and uh, they just absolutely smothered them this weekend. And then you top that off with the Phillies' bullpen, which was the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball last year. They had a bullpen ERA of over seven last year. They pitched seven and a third innings this weekend, did not allow a run. So, you know, uh, and look, they still have some guys that can hit the baseball. You know, you, you, you've got the best catcher. You've still got Bryce Harper. Reese Hoskins 
can hit the heck out of the ball. Andrew McCutcheon, I don't know what he's got left in the tank, but he he played pretty well last year. You know, coming back from that injury, Didi Gregorius still dangerous with the bat and a very good shortstop. Gene Segura, this is an underrated team in my opinion. So they beat the Braves yesterday 2-1, complete the sweep. Uh, the other thing that was interesting yesterday is the city of Philadelphia allowed the team to increase the attendance yesterday. They played in front of 8,500 the first two games of the homestand. Well, Philly let them up that to uh, 11,000 yesterday. So they were up to 25% capacity yesterday. So uh, a good sign. Um, again, they still had the social distancing, and I think that's where they're going to keep it, at least for now. Uh, especially with the uh, the numbers going up around the country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. we got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left before we get out of here this morning. So the, the guy everybody wants to talk about, in addition to Fernando Tatis Jr. with the you know $7 trillion contract that he got, the big talk all spring was about Shohei Otani and the fact that he wanted to get back to being a two-way player. He wanted to pitch. He still wanted to be able to play the outfield or DH. And uh, what we saw last night was something new. It was the first time that since he's come into major league, into the major leagues that when he was pitching, he was also in the batting order. So he, uh, he was the starting pitcher, and he was in the number two slot in the batting order yesterday. So what did he do? Well, first inning, he uh, threw a ball 101 miles an hour, got through a scoreless first inning, and then the first pitch he saw in the bottom of the first inning, he absolutely crushed. Dylan Cease threw him a, a, a high fastball that he lined into the right field seats, hit it 450 feet. I mean, <laughs> this guy is absolutely amazing. He pitched into the fifth inning. Now, he gave up three hits. Only one of them were earned. Uh, he had some issues with control. He did walk five guys. Uh, he left the game after a, a collision at home plate, uh, but the uh, Angels said that it wasn't uh, an injury that they didn't pull him because he was injured. You know, he had some soreness, but he wasn't injured. He had also thrown 92 pitches because he'd walk five guys. He struck out seven and walked five. It takes a lot of pitches to strike guys out and to walk guys, right? So you knew the pitch count was going to be high. So he was up to 92 pitches uh, with two outs in the fifth inning, only 53 of them for strikes. So, you know, they took him out, and uh, the bullpen did its job. And the Angels' bats did their job. They got going late. They scored three runs in the bottom of the ninth. Um, and they end up beating the White Sox uh, by a final of 7-4 to four last night. Again, I picked the Angels to win the American League West now. Um, and I, I still stand by that, although I did not expect the Houston Astros to uh, win all four games against Oakland this weekend. And not only did, did the Astros beat Oakland, they beat the snot out of them. I mean, every game was a blowout. Absolutely not what I expected at all. Uh, so the White Sox uh, lose two out of three to the uh, to the Angels over the weekend, and uh, now they uh, will play on Monday against the Houston Astros. So we're going to find out real quick uh, whether 
the Angels are for real or not. Uh, Jose Quintana is going to make his debut for the Angels tonight. Uh, the White Sox uh, head to Seattle to take on the Mariners. Uh, the Padres win three out of four this weekend. Uh, they won the first three against Arizona. They lost yesterday uh, three to one as the uh, the Padres could only manage six hits off of uh, Taylor Widener. Uh, you know, and this uh, Widener pitched six innings, three hits, no runs. He did walk three guys. And then the uh, Arizona bullpen did a great job. They did get a runoff, Chris Davinsky, in the ninth inning. But outside of that, it was a dominating performance uh, by the uh, uh, by the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday. Chris Paddock, guy that uh, highly thought of, struggled yesterday. I watched a, a good part of this game, and he just had trouble finding the uh, the strike zone. Uh, a couple other things from around the sports world yesterday. Um, uh, Jordan Spieth wins his first tournament in uh, 83 tries. It had been a while, uh, I think, uh, since uh, I think it was or 82 events since he had won. Well, he won the Texas Open yesterday. He's a Dallas native, so obviously uh, very happy about that. But he had not won since 2017. Uh, finished with a six under 66. So he beats Charlie Hoffman by two shots. Um, so, uh, good for him, uh, back in the top 50 in the world. He had been, uh, he had been really struggling. He jumps up to number 38 in the world after that win this weekend. Uh, and, uh, uh, the Boston Celtics with a win yesterday. I can't figure the Celtics team out. You know, they're now back to 500. They beat the Hornets yesterday, 116 to 86. So they beat them by 30. But we also have to take into consideration that three of the top scorers for Charlotte didn't play this game. Lamella balls out with the fractured wrist. Uh, Malik Monk has a bad ankle. And then Gordon Hayward was put on the injured list on Friday. They said he's going to be out for a month. So their top three scorers were, were all out of the game. So if the Celtics didn't win this one by 30, there's probably a, a problem. But uh, Jason Tatum with uh, 22 points and eight rebounds. Evan Fournier, the, uh, the new acquisition from Orlando, uh, had 17 points. Robert Williams, who's getting more and more playing time, with 16 points and eight rebounds. So uh, good job by the Celtics uh, to pick up that victory yesterday. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call, uh, the national championship game tonight. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about, about that tomorrow morning. We'll leave you this morning with some music from Garth Brooks, Papa Love Mama. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.